0: So, as I recall in the last session, it was pretty dramatic because you were there at the shoot for Das Necronomicon, the film that the producer, Baron von Grunel, was setting up, financing. And, of course, things didn't quite go as smoothly as anyone would have wanted because the truth was the whole thing was, in fact, set up to basically corral a large number of people, including yourselves. And whether you were intended to be there or you just happened to be caught in the crossfire, you were there... And something to do with these cameras or the film, perhaps, as you know, is, is rather strange. In the cameras, sent everyone into a stupor, into a you know unconsciousness, and you you all appeared in this other place, this half real, almost like a film set of a cold, dark woods with angular black trees with their limbs at crazy angles, like an expressionist film of the 1920s. And you all had rather disturbing and personal encounters of varying natures you all met people from your past or in Max's case he actually met the more successful version of himself who actually became a famous actor but turned out to be something rather more horrific underneath and somehow most of you managed to get through that experience without losing your shit too much all except for Armand Katorian who had a very traumatizing encounter with his dead wife and child and had to face the true reality of what he had done by abandoning them. The arch pragmatist, in the end, was faced with the consequences of his self-serving actions. Sorry, I'm being really hard on you, aren't I? That's okay. But one thing I did mention is you did virtually manage to kill Baron von Grunau. Anne-Marie fired twice at him, plugged him twice, took him down to zero hit points. <laughs> and he was there bleeding out, but didn't finish him off. Didn't finish him off, did you? No, I didn't. He was unconscious, but still alive. And of course, Agnes Esterhazy wreaked terrible havoc on the group by preventing Max from destroying all of the cameras. He managed to destroy one of them, I seem to remember, but the other two were still playing. And yeah.
1: We only realized too late that that was what was important.
0: Indeed. Indeed. You thought the ritual was the thing. and By stopping Grunau, that would be it. But no, it was the movie cameras. So here you are, alone and mad in the woods, all of you, running from the horrors of the past.
1: Have we returned to our senses?
0: Yeah, most of you do, all except for Katorian. Because I don't think any of you actually had a bout of madness except for Katorian. Yeah, I think. So you are all running from these terrors. And... Are we together? No, you're not. You're all separate. But I will describe this as if it was all of you individually experiencing this, because we won't do it five times. Because essentially, you all experience the same thing. And as you're running fleeing or or making your way through this unreal landscape, you all hear the distant tolling of a church bell, and following the sound, you you kind of, I guess you're looking around trying to see where this the first real sound that you've heard the whole time you've been in this, this strange forest, you catch sight of a medieval church situated on a craggy hill ahead of you. The dimensions and proportions of the church are exaggerated in a twisted angular fashion, reminiscent again of the old expressionist film sets from ten years ago. The angles are all subtly wrong, leaning crazily and ending in sharp dagger-like points. The bell tower twists and turns in on itself, maybe a bit like an Escher drawing, rising up to the featureless sky, the belfry tilting so severely that it looks like it could collapse at any moment. The Church is ringed by a low stone wall within which lies a graveyard. The gravestones sit like rows of shattered teeth, leaning and sagging at a variety of crazy angles, just like the nearby church. And you see movement in amongst the gravestones.
2: I have a question, is it still black and white? We're still seeing... Yes, everything is still
0: this unreal black and white.
3: I probably look at myself, I'm like, am I flickering?
0: Except for you, Katorian. This oh. is not you. Uh, sorry, I, I should have said this. You're still in your fugue state. You're out of okay. It's the other four. There's nothing but a church. We approach the church. And as you get a bit closer, you see that these figures moving in amongst the gravestones are animated skeletons. They move with a herky-jerky motion, as if being controlled by a puppeteer lurking just out of sight. And some of the skeletons wear the robes of priests, others the garb of medieval townsfolk. A group of skeletons play fifes made of femurs and bang on drums with bone drumsticks. Their melody is a dirge-like and mournful. And you all recognise it. It's like a very primitive version of the Dance of the Dead, the Totten from all those years ago that was played by Henry Hoffman. And at that precise moment, you all realise that standing around the perimeter, you all see each other. You've all emerged, all except Victorian. You've all emerged from these woods, and you, I guess you scarcely believe that you can see each other standing there in all your black-and-white glory.
1: Are we ourselves in black-and-white? Like, I looked down at my hand.
0: Yeah, yeah, you are. As you are yourselves. You aren't wearing your normal clothes, because when you came into this realm, you sort of ended up in the garb of peasant folk from medieval times. So you're wearing rough hessian and sackcloth and that kind of thing.
4: Did we have our stuff? I shot
0: myself in the head with a. You have your weapons, yes,
1: yes. So, rough spun tunic and my pistol. And your Luger. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Drace or something. Sounds like a Saturday night. Yeah. So, I look at the pistol and I look around at everyone else and I say, Are you really here? Or are you part of this vision? Speak, Phantoms. I'm here. It's
4: me, Max, the unsuccessful actor version. Because no one knows what I'm talking about.
2: Uh, Don't be so hard on yourself, Max.
4: I saw you. You you had a heart attack or something. I saw Anne-Marie was captured. The last thing I saw was a camera turning on
1: me. As I remember, I was in the grip of Esterhazy's spell. I felt a pain in my chest and everything went black. After that, I was in this place. Do you suppose we've all been killed? Is this hell?
4: Well, I don't remember reading about this heaven in the Bible, dancing skeletons. By the way, what are we going to do about these dancing skeletons? What are they doing? Are they paying attention to us? Or? No, no, I'm, not at all. I'm very wary of them.
0: They seem to be very much occupied with whatever weird dance they're doing up on the hill.
1: They're in the churchyard.
2: Yeah. There could be no church in hell though, I say, and I'm going to step over the gate and head into the church.
1: And I don't think this is heaven. You're right. I think we live, but are trapped. In the grip of some magic.
2: So Amory,
0: you step forward from the perimeter of the forest, and they don't seem to notice you or do anything as so you start heading up the hill to the fieldstone wall that surrounds the graveyard. And you said you wanted to climb over and go in or go find a gate. Yeah, unless I mean,
2: unless there's an open gate, I can go through.
4: I'm gonna race. I'm very. Wor- I'm worried for Amory, so I'm gonna race over with my shotgun raised.
1: I think we should all stay together and follow.
4: Zafine, that's cool.
1: Yeah. I agree. You're left alone, so...
3: Yeah, no, I'm going to follow.
4: You got your rake. Savina's the only one whose clothes had an upgrade
1: to peasant. (laughs) Middle ages. Hold on, where's Katorian? The rake is brand new. You're right, he's not here.
3: I'm not going to stay behind with Katorian again.
1: He's not here. Perhaps he never found his way through the woods, or worse.
0: Yeah, there's no sign of him.
1: I don't think there's anything we can do for him now, though whatever this place is. I'm going to
2: turn around and go back towards the woods and and yell into the woods for Gatorium. Your voice just echoes
0: through the wooden set, the prop trees. You know that these aren't real trees. They're just kind of nailed together, pieces of wood and, and timber. And your voice echoes across them into the mist. No response. However, at that point, you do hear a noise coming from maybe a quarter of the way around the hill, pretty much leading up to where the gate is. There's some kind of rough path coming down that side into the woods. And you see at that point a procession emerging out of the woods, going up towards the graveyard. And you hear shouting and muffled shouts. And the procession is a group of skeletons in priestly garbs. And they are carrying between them two coffins up the hill. And it seems like the muffled shouting is coming from the coffins.
1: We all see this, right?
0: Yeah. And I want everyone at this point to make a sanity roll for seeing oh, this close. eerie and bizarre sight.
1: <laughs>
0: Surprised it took this long. Oh no! Oh, Emery failed. Max n- nailed it. Emery is usually the. Amory is normally diamond mind, I think they call her, don't they? So if you fail, well, Eckhart, you're fine. Oh, it's really unfortunate. You're all really rock solid, all apart from Katorian, aren't you? So, Amory, you do lose a D3 sanity.
2: Okay. Oh, not the worst, not the best. All right, so that's the middle one I
0: Yeah, well, another six, and you'll be indefinitely insane. But we'll cut to Katorian. Katorian, you come too. Your eyes are probably still stinging a bit from the tears that you shed in your flight, in your crazed flight. And when you open your eyes, at first you feel relieved because you're surrounded by a blessed and calming darkness. But then you feel a strange sort of motion, like a bumping motion, as you lie in this dark place. And then within a few seconds, you realize that what you're feeling around you is wood on all sides, wood below, wood to either side and when you lift your hands up to touch you feel a rough wooden surface above you and you realize you're trapped and the motion you feel like you're being tilted and your head is being lifted up and your, your feet are pointing downwards like you're being carried in some wooden box up a hill
3: i scream out i'm not dead bang 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 <laughs>
0: You're screaming and screaming, but no one is coming to your aid, Katori, and this is horrific. I will not make you make another sanity roll at this point. I think that would just be too cruel. But yeah, this is awful, and, and you're struggling, you're bashing. Even though it's made from crude, rough wood by the feel of it, it's incredibly solid, and your bashing on, on the surface does nothing to open or loosen the, the lid of this box, which you can only surmise, I guess, is a coffin. It's about the right size. So, yeah, you just carry on screaming, I guess, and banging, unless you want to do anything else. Banging and screaming. Do you want to do anything else? Well, the
3: first thing I think of is reach for my Luger and blast some holes in the thing. Classic. But, I don't know, I suppose I don't have that with me.
0: I'll tell you what, what we need you to do, Katorian, is I want you to make a power roll.
3: Not my best attribute. No,
0: no, no. You, you must have dropped it in your wild flight as you s- search for it. But you can make a luck roll to see if you've got anything that might be useful. Like a, I don't know, like a pocket knife or a...
3: Like my, uh, my whatchamacallit.
0: Pocket knife or a lighter. Blackjack.
3: <laughs> my blackjack. Yeah, that might help.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, so, you know, you, you've got your other stuff that you, you wouldn't, apart from your gun.
3: With whatever, whatchamacallit, I... I ha And I to smack a hole in the front with the blackjack with whatever even though i have very little whatever range of motion i have i'm going to try to knock a hole in the side of the coffin with my blackjack
0: okay so you start bashing away at it and we'll leave you there you don't have much of a range of motion that's the only problem so it's very hard to get any kind of force behind it but perhaps strong wrists yeah perhaps after you know, maybe a few hours' work might get you out of here, but by then, who knows where you'll be? So let's cut back to the others, as you now see this macabre and gruesome procession, and you can all make a—I would say it would need
2: to be a just a regular listen roll. So I always have a bonus. So do I do get my bonus because that's yes. my keen hearing ability. Okay. Wow, that is a—oh, f- it's not a fumble. Uh, I still failed, anyways, even with the.
1: What? Nobody hears me. I'm gonna spend luck.
0: Yeah, Eckhart, of course, you can spend five luck. Yes, you can't tell which of the coffins it's coming from, but one of the, there's actually seems to be two people shouting from inside the coffins. One of them seems to be Katorian, but you can't tell which one.
1: I pull out my pistol and I check the round in the chamber and I say, Katorian's in that box.
0: Which
4: one?
1: I don't think I can tell which one it's coming from. No, right? you can't. I hear his voice coming from one of them. Listen, hear that screaming? That's him.
2: That girlish, high-pitched screaming. I don't hear anything i would never heard Kitori scream before. He's cursing an Armenian.
4: You take the one on the left. I'll take the one on the right. Okay. And I just run. I'm just going to run. Shit. All right. I'm just running at the coffin holders, I guess, the pole bearers. And I'm just going to throw myself into the coffin and try and knock it out of their hands.
1: And I'm following and covering him. Like, basically, my plan is to attack the first one to go for him. Whoever goes for Max is, go- I'm going to shoot. I'll go after the other coffin.
3: Yeah, I will brandish my rake and go after the coffin as well.
2: I don't think I'm heavy enough to like knock the coffin out of somebody's hands, So even if they're skeletons, so I'm just going to go for the person at the back of the coffin or the skeleton and try to knock them down.
0: Okay, so Max, you're going to get to engage first. So you're going to have to essentially just do a charge, just plow through these skeletons to get to them, because there's quite a number of them milling around. So what I want you to do... Is make an attack roll on the first one that gets in your way can I pick up the first one and use it as a battering ram on the rest (laughs) sure
1: (laughs) it's probably two rolls though
0: yeah I mean you have to do a grapple
4: this is no time for games I'm going to punch the first one
0: okay I also have a blackjack
1: so you rush forward
0: and you swing your your arm back And they don't seem to make any kind of attempt to stop you or anything. They seem very blasé about the fact that you're about to interrupt their procession. And yeah, wow. So drawing on every ounce of power and rage in your in your body, all those knowing that in a way you're, you're as freakish and strange as these living skeletons, you swing your blackjack and it completely obliterates the first skeleton. Its skull goes flying off the top of its spinal column and goes smashing into the next skeleton in the line. And utterly incomprehensibly, or there's no rational explanation, but as soon as this happens, the skull just smashes into the next one and it just shatters where it stands. The whole skeleton, the next one, just shatters where it stands. And then all the others, turn to dust and crumble to the ground. The graveyard is now just full of bone dust being blown around by the wind and the two coffins fall with a heavy thump to the ground and you hear cries of pain coming from inside them. You've destroyed all the skeletons.
4: Yeah. I'm a little bit stunned, but then I, for like half a second, and then I rush to the the one I was aiming for and try and sort of lever it open. Is it locked on the outside? Can I just unlock it?
0: It's nailed down, so... Uh, as long as you have some kind of, you know, something to pry it open.
4: I don't know that I do. Like,
0: like a rake. Like a rake. I mean, anything. Your brass knuckles. You could use your brass knuckles to lever it open as well. You know, they've got an edge. You can do that. Yeah,
4: I think I have a knife otherwise, but yeah.
0: Or a
2: knife.
1: Anything. I have a pen knife.
2: I have a stiletto. What, a shoe?
1: How did none of us have a... No oh, one has, like, a big knife. Actually, yeah.
0: So, so Anne-Marie, you you can go next because Max actually, you know, his round has been taken up. So you've obviously got a clear path now to the other coffin, which you can use your stiletto to lever or open I'm going to
2: put my ear to it and I'm going to say, "Katorian, are you in there? If so, knock three times. Dong,
0: dong, dong. And you hear three knocks coming from the coffin.
2: Okay. You can make a listen roll as well. Yeah. I'll also listen. Tell me something that you wouldn't tell somebody else. Should I fail again? No, I got a success on the phone.
0: You also heard three knocks coming from the other coffin when you heard the three coming from yours. Okay. So I say, Max, he's in one of these two coffins.
4: Yeah, I'm just trying to open the other one. I don't particularly care.
1: I'm sure there's some other victim.
2: Okay. Yeah, I will. I, will, I mean, if I can still do more stuff on my turn, I'll, I'll take my stiletto out and start doing it, I guess. I'm not sure it's really made for that, but... Uh... Yeah.
0: All right, well, let's say it takes a few minutes for both of you to leave the nailed-down lids off. And let's make a group luck roll. Who's got the lowest luck? Lower. Apart from, apart from Katorian. Max, you leave her off the coffin lid first. And inside, it's not Katorian. Prying open the top of the casket reveals none other than Baron Grunow.
1: <laughs> I'm going to just shoot him. Like, I just see him.
0: I'm going to reach in and strangle them. Still in his strange ecclesiastical robes, he's drenched in sweat, his eyes bulging out of their sockets, half mad with fear. You can see two gaping bullet wounds that are just oozing blood in his chest, the two bullet holes that Amory put in him. And he looks up at you as your hands reach down for his neck, and he says, No, Max, Max, no, we must get to the chapel. Uh, uh, do not kill me yet.
4: I'm going to shift my hands and pull him out and basically throw him onto the ground in front of Eckhart, who I know was you know, had his weapon drawn.
1: Are you going to say anything?
4: Hear him out <laughs> before we kill him.
1: Okay, I like visibly relax my hand like I was definitely about to shoot him if you didn't st- Like tell me.
4: To. But Keep your weapon on him because he might try something and actually in fact, thinking twice about this, I'm going to walk over and basically put him in a sleeper hold so that he can't use his arms or barely talk.
0: Okay. And at that moment, Amory manages to lever off the lid to Katorian's coffin and spluttering and gasping for air, Katorian, you you emerge into this crazy scene.
3: First of all, you're the last person that I expected to save me. That has to be said. So I guess uh, if we get out of here, I'm naming my next
2: cabaret after you.
3: Cabaret. I was wondering how you were going to finish that
2: sentence. Deal. I hug and kiss on the cheek, Katorin, and say, oh, thank God you're alive, and uh, yes, we'll get out of here.
0: Yeah, so, Katorin I guess you clamber up out of your coffin. Yeah. And you see the loathsome Grunau groveling in the dust, looking up with fear. But weirdly, you all realise he doesn't seem to be scared of you as much as something else, and he's looking around him with a look of,
5: a hunted person and he says it is not here yet it is not here yet we must go why is he not dead
3: what are you afraid of i say with my thing and
2: I, I really want to give whale into him but i'm just gonna walk up to him and put my finger in one of the bullet holes because i'm surprised he's alive because obviously I, I mean i don't know hit point. you know i mean i shot him twice yeah, he fell yeah. i thought he was dead i'm just gonna walk up and like poke <laughs> in one of the bullet holes and see how he reacts to it. So I, I say that. Though. I say, well, why is he not dead? And I approach him and I, I want to poke the wound to make sure he's not some kind of weird creature or something. We
4: we may need him to get out of here. Then we can kill him.
2: Oh, I didn't mean to kill him. I mean, why is he not dead? Look, he's I shot him twice. Is he some kind of demon?
0: And you push your finger into the bullet hole, which is gaping and oozing. And he doesn't even flinch. He doesn't even seem to even notice. But blood continues to come out and then... Some a trickle of blood actually comes out of the side of his mouth. It seems like you've probably did shoot him through some of his you know respiratory tract or something. The bullet there's definitely blood going up into his lungs or something at this point. But
5: he doesn't seem to be too bothered by it. And he says I, I believe our only means of escape lies within the church. We must go. Ah uh, follow me if you will remain if you will or, or remain out here at your peril. What is coming is not good. I
1: can sense it. She betrayed us all she betrayed us all! But tell us what we'll find in the chapel while we walk.
5: Let me stand on my own. I look over at Eckhart and Victoria. Should I?
1: I stand two paces behind him and raise my pistol. And I look at you like, okay, you can let him go. I say, all right. one step out of line, and uh, I'll take your head off.
5: I understand, of course, of course.
1: <laughs> but, uh... Straight ahead. And keep talking. What's in the church? What will we find there? This is not the time for mundane violence. Enough... We are entered uh, another realm.
5: Th- these weapons are, are useless. He says, almost dismissively, kind of
0: looking at your pistol.
1: I have a feeling it'll work fine on you. Start walking. This
3: isn't the first time we've been in another realm. You of all people might know that.
5: Esther she, she really is the devil. This was all meant to be a, a sham. This ritual was not meant to work. I do not understand what she
1: did. Like every one of these other fools.
5: He says, but inside I think there is this, the means of our escape from this realm. The book. We placed it here. Das Necronomicon. The Necronomicon? Jawohl. Das Necronomicon.
1: Of course.
5: It is our only means of egress. Otherwise we are cursed to stay here forever.
1: Alright then. We'll retrieve the book. You will wait outside.
5: Nein, nein, nein. You don't know how to enact the ritual? I have studied this book for many years now. Please.
1: I don't trust him. I'm looking at the others.
5: No, I don't either, but I'm going to start
1: heading towards the chapel. Oh, yeah, this is all, like, while we're walking, I assume.
0: Okay. You're kind of frog-marching him, I guess, or or you've got your gun on him and whatever. And as you approach, you see that the old wooden doors to the church are swinging open, creaking in, in the breeze. And inside, the church is empty. There's no pews, no altar, no icons, no pulpit just a bare stone floor, and at the far end of the nave, there's a large lectern. Weirdly, the walls, or maybe not weirdly, but consistently, the walls, floor, and ceiling are clearly wood painted to look like stone. There's even a slight lingering odour of fresh paint in the air. And you see up ahead on the stand is a huge book, an ancient folio several hundred pages thick. The binding appears to be some sort of dark leather, now cracked and
5: flaking. And he says, That is it, that is it. Estahazy, she helped me hide this the Necronomicon when I stole it from the state library. Such a shame that the young man intruded upon us when he did, but then uh, it seems this book demands a payment in blood from all who seek to use it. And you plan to use it now? Well, my blood will do as good as anyone else.
0: And he rubs his hand over the bullet wounds and then holds his hand up, which is now
5: smeared in his own blood, saying, yeah, it will do.
4: I start to tear my sleeve off. And as I'm doing that, I'm asking him, what does he plan to do?
5: What is it that you're
4: going to do? He says, I will
5: call up powers that are stronger than Hazis to send us back to the real world. This is a space beyond, outside our normal realm of existence. The film... In the cameras, you see, it creates a bridge to this world of dreams. We are in the Countess's dream right now. She will not stand by and let us live. She is all around us. She is this land. If I can bring a more powerful entity into this dream of the Countess, it may overcome her. Otherwise, she will hunt us down and destroy us.
3: You're going to summon Astarte or something like that?
5: No, not Astarte. That was uh, an error on my part. What then? But we all make mistakes. Yeah, I don't think Astarte likes us very much anymore. No, I will summon the older gods.
2: This has gone from bad to worse. All right, guys, so we don't know anything about elder gods, obviously. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, can we roll on Cthulhu? Because I actually have some Cthulhu mythos. I have 11%. So do I don't why. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, I want to know if I know anything about this, so I will roll on that. Just a regular roll, I guess. Uh, yep. Okay. I have 11%. Of my- oh, there you go. Wow. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we know what you're talking about there. No. Okay. Beyond knowing.
0: I mean, Amory, again, I don't really, like, thematically, I don't understand why Amory knows it Because you've also made Cthulhu Mythos roles in the past. I think you're just, there's something about her. There's something about her. She
1: learned a spell.
2: I read the book.
0: And you understand. I mean, you realize when he says the older gods, you realize that Astarte is just a stripling a young God, a God really from human experience, human consciousness, the older gods that he refers to are things much more malign and
2: incomprehensible. So I'm pretty sure that he's not able to control this thing. It's a bad idea.
0: It's probably not a good idea, (laughs) but at the same time, you also get the sense that something very powerful is needed to overcome whatever
2: Esterhazy has wrought. Well, it looks like we'll need to make a deal with the devil. And it's probably not a very good one, I think. These elder gods. They're things worse than the devil, I think. There's no way he's going to to be able to control this elder god. This is going to be a hold-on-to-your-ass moment.
1: (laughs) I have a feeling this is more akin to, like, an elephant coming and crushing a house, and we're the bugs that hopefully sneak out of the wreckage.
4: Yeah. I ask him, besides your blood, what do you need
5: to do this? He says, Vahel. The more blood, the better, if you would contribute. This ritual...
4: I'm happy to contribute more of
5: yours. I will give every drop, Max, every drop. Anyway, this ritual, the Ya-Zek channeling, as it is known, it brings forth the key and the gate. It will open the way back.
0: And when he says this, Amory, because he made that amazingly good Cthulhu Mythos roll, you somehow know that this is Yog Sothoth that he is going to try and summon.
2: Oh, oh, that's not good. Not. good. I don't know much. I know that's not good. Would I know with the extreme role like this if there's anything we can do to help ourselves to kind of be unnoticed by the like our best chance? Do I have any kind of insight as to like he's definitely going to die? But is there what we is there something we can do to help ourselves if he does? This? I mean, the best
0: chance you
2: have is to be
0: as inconspicuous as possible, I think. I mean, there's obviously, you understand, there's nothing you can do against the power of these entities, but they also are not directly interact. They don't directly interact with humans. The effects on humans seem to be just unfortunate side
2: effects of their existence. Right. So, yeah. Well, I think we need to make for the woods, I say, and not be here when this happens.
4: You didn't answer my question, old man.
5: Besides the blood, what do you need to do? Well, I, I need to uh, chant the ritual words and then the key will open the gate and then we will walk through. So you don't need your hands? Well, I guess not. But someone must turn the pages for me then. He says quite reasonably.
4: Uh, with the strip of cloth, I'm going to tie his ends behind his back.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to cut them off.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that too, actually. I was like, Max just went dark.
4: No, I look at the others and I say... I could have my hands around his neck, and if things start to go wrong, I could make sure he can't finish chanting.
5: But also, one of you must use this straight razor on me. To do what?
0: He indicates his front breast pocket, and there's a cutthroat
5: razor in there. He says, you must excoriate my flesh.
3: Ooh. Define excoriate.
5: Slice me up, my darling. How much? Until I am ribbons. I'll do it.
4: That was way too fast. I didn't want to give the others a chance to think about it. I say I'll do it. Excellent.
5: You know your parts then, Max. Uh, You have always were wanting to take the center stage, weren't you? Okay, so since Max can't be strangling him, I'm going to go behind him and
2: put my gun against his head. I'll stay there as well. Okay. Yeah, I can't let Max go by himself. Well,
1: Max is there with a razor.
4: What I was thinking was, he said that the weapons can't hurt us here. So I was thinking of strangling him to literally stop him from being able to chant. So if we need to do that, then someone else maybe should slice him up.
2: I think that a bullet through his
4: head will stop him from chanting. Okay. Two in the chest didn't. It?
1: Yeah, I read the book. Just hold the razor, hands on his shoulders. Everything goes as planned. You slice his neck, and if you need to, you choke him and drop the razor.
2: Okay. I'll do that.
1: In a position to do either way.
2: Yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm not going to leave Max to do it by himself, so I'll stay here. I, I don't want to be in front, though, because I, I don't want to watch that. That's pretty terrible.
1: No one ever talks about the logistics of human sacrifice. It's
0: complicated. <laughs> no, no one's willing to really think it through. <laughs> yeah,
4: there's a lot of positioning issues. Yep.
5: He says, you all know the chant from the script. If you join in, it will be better. God. Just repeat after me the words. Otherwise, I fear I will
1: not have the power. I look around dubiously at the others.
5: I mean, that sounds legit.
1: Sounds legit? Is that good enough from this guy?
2: Well, I mean, we've read the book, right? And generally we get the idea that these spells are more powerful the more people involved. That's why they needed all these people for
0: the...
1: Yes, that I believe.
0: Yeah. He is also imploring you to shed blood as well. Oh, that's a going to do that. If you will. Whether you want to or not is entirely up to you. He's not compelling you, of course, he can't. But he says,
5: The more blood, the better. The more different blood that mingles in the chalice, the better.
1: Better for who? Better why? More likely for us to escape whatever the hell this thing is you're summoning unnoticed? If it has smelled my blood? I doubt that very much. Better for you and whatever offering you hope to bring or whatever you're planning to gain when you double-cross us in this? Probably. So you won't get my words or my blood. Do your ritual yourself, betrayer.
5: It is entirely up to you not to worry. I will provide much blood, but a, a little bit more cannot hurt. He giggles, and you realize that his mind is fairly unhinged. He says, use the razor, or shatter the panes of stained glass, and use these shards to rend my flesh. It is your choice. Now, cut me. Cut me, Max.
3: Oh, he's going to like that way too much, Max. He's
5: way too into that, yeah.
4: I'm going to look at him. I look at the razor and I say, well, I think it's only fair given what I'm about to do to you, and I cut my hand, my left hand. Wow. Wow, wow. And then I'm going to get as much blood from him as I can.
0: Okay. So you start swiping and slashing backwards and forwards the straight-edge razor. Perhaps all the rage from all those years of torment and of of hatred are welling up in you, the fact that Grunau really is the reason you are the way you are now. It was him that started this whole cycle of depravity, creating the mannequin mensch that you are now and cursing you to this life in the shadows. And you slice and slice and blood is spurting through and he doesn't seem to find any pain in this experience. He's reveling in it as you're being sprayed by this blood. Did I feel the cut on myself? Weirdly, no, you didn't. You sliced your arm And blood came spurting out in a huge gout. And the weird thing is, you don't take any damage. But I want you to roll a D three anyway. Roll a D three. But you lose two sanity. Great. And he starts chanting. The rest of you are I guess you've got your gun pointed at his head, and Marie ready to just pop him. Are you gonna chant as well?
2: I'll repeat the chat, yeah.
0: By the moon eye. By, the moon, By the moon eye. By the imprisoned. By, the, By imprisoned. the imprisoned. By the free. By the free? By the free. By Samas. By, By Samas. Sama. Gibil. 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 And Nusuku.
3: And Nusuku.
0: By the high name By of Ia. By the Ima. high
3: name of Ia.
0: By the seven demons. By the seven
3: demons.
0: Guardian, let the gate be opened. Guardian, let the gate be opened. By chaos. By chaos. By the void. By the void. By the light. By the light. By the darkness. By the darkness. By the air. By the air. By the fire. By the fire. By the water. By the the water. water, By the earth.
2: By the earth.
0: I think we are actually summoning Yogg-Sothos right now, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I think we are. I'm getting a little nervous here. Key, open the gate. Key, open the gate. By my sacred oath. By my sacred oath. Let those who want to leave come out. Let those who want to leave come leave, come out. Let those who want to enter come in.
2: Let those that want to enter enter,
0: come in. Let us see into the hiding light. Let us see into into the the hiding hiding light.
3: light. Let us
0: see into the blinding darkness. Let us us see into the blinding blinding darkness.
3: darkness.
0: Rend the veil. Rend the veil. Crush the mirror. Crush Crush the the mirror. mirror. Reveal the illusion
5: reveal the illusion see the gate opens see the gate see the open. Gate open. i now
0: declare you cultist and great old one <laughs> oh boy oh dear and soon his flesh hangs in ribbons his robes in blood-soaked tatters his voice reaches a crescendo and for everyone who in the church that's all five of you witnessing this awful horrific sight of this man being cut to shreds as he seemingly revels in it as the blood flows down onto the stone you all need to make another sanity roll of course yeah oh
3: i don't believe it
0: wow well katorian that, that was a very clutch roll from everyone except eckhart so you all lose one point except eckhart he has to roll a d6
3: okay i'm already remember i was one below my threshold
0: Yeah, so you're about to go indefinitely insane. So let's deal with you in a minute. But Eckhart, can you roll D d6, please? Wow, look at that. Again, diamond mines. However, Garman Katorian, you're about to have a bout of madness. Again. How many times do you
4: think you've said that to him?
0: A few times. Well, he's come back and forth. Mm. I was editing an episode... From earlier in, in in this scenario, and he he actually got some sanity back from rolling a critical critical luck roll. I didn't hear how much it was, but so he's he's done all right as well. But Katorian hit a real time bout of madness button, mm-hmm. please. Crazy plan.
3: Every time we do this ritual,
0: okay. <laughs> ten rounds. Well, I think your crazy plan has to involve Yuxothoth at this point.
3: Yes, and it's going to be that we have to lead Yogg-Sothoth to the Bonobo
4: to... He's going to try and kidnap Yogg-Sothoth. Just like this chimpanzee, right?
3: (laughs) We have to lead Yogg-Sothoth to the Bonobo to the Anita Berber box because this is where we're going to put an end to the Nazis and everything else that's besetting us.
0: I think at the same time also, Jogsothoth will make an amazing top billing light attraction performing on stage for the depraved patrons of Berlin.
3: Yeah, come see the amazing Jog Sothoth. Yes.
0: I think there's a lot of pipe music involved. I think the crazy piping, I think that's going to be the... I
3: can hire pipers on the street. I mean...
0: Yeah, no, but these ones are supernatural entities from another dimension. So I think you've got it. I think you're going to be the top-rated cabaret in Berlin. Come to the Bonomo and lose, lose your mind. However, this is yet to come, because as the Baron's chant reaches a crescendo... A terrific rending sound comes from the roof beams overhead and you can feel the whole church is shaking and the Baron looks up, the flesh just hanging down off his face where it's been slashed by the straight razor. You can see almost straight through parts of his cheek to the bone beneath and he's shouting and yelling in in exultation. And he says,
5: it has worked, it has worked.
0: (gasps) The key is opening the gate. And at that moment, the roof beams are torn asunder and with a great wrenching, the entire roof of the church flies away as if caught in a tornado. And indeed, a terrific wind is now blowing overhead, swirling down into the church. High above, great coruscating clouds gather, rippling and bubbling. And for the first time, these bursts of vivid, vibrant colour Comes into your vision, greens, yellows, oranges, and browns among the clouds up above, and suddenly multitudinous eyes pop open, churning and bubbling in the clouds above, and a great tooth more begins to open, sucking in the wind, the artificial trees, the gravestones, the skeletons, and the church itself, as Grunau yells in exultation and delight at the success of the ritual. And
2: what do you all want to do at this point? I'm going to grab the book and close it and I'm gonna say run to the forest and I'm gonna try to run outside okay so you're
0: gonna need to make an opposed power roll against something as you do that something
2: I won't be able to beat you guys okay no okay it's just a regular I mean you are
0: all gonna have to make a sanity roll in a minute anyway but just a regular power roll okay when she
1: goes for the book I go to help her
2: wow
0: that's
1: three
2: extremes in a row that means it's gonna go bad after this oh boy
1: (laughs) I just rolled a ten That's also an extreme.
0: You almost manage to get it shut, but some kind of incredible force just slams the book open and you just can't close it. And you see Grunau being sort of lifted up of his feet. He's now a shower of blood and flesh just hanging down from these tattered robes. And at this point, the sound of another universe just booms through your minds. And you do all need, now need to make probably the most important roll of your careers, because this is the sanity roll for seeing Yog-Sotho. Wow! Can
3: we all roll this?
0: You all need to make a sanity roll.
2: Oh, of course.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> oh! Oh, my. Oh,
3: God. Oh. Katorian and Max. I can spend luck, if I can spend luck.
0: You can That's... spend, well, not on the roll. Yeah. Not on the sanity roll. You can spend it on the sanity loss. Now, the good news is that anne your attempt to, to counter the working of the, the Necronomicon has given you some kind of resilience against seeing this incomprehensible entity, this power beyond anything you've seen before. Eckhart, your stoicism in the face of all the horrors you've seen has guarded you as well. And Safina, I don't know what it is about you, Safina, but nothing seems to ever shake you. Not even a great old crazy. Worm. <laughs> You're not. You've got an 82 sanity. You're the sanest person.
3: There are just about like 12 cats swimming around in here all the time now. And it's like, you know, I've developed some resilience.
0: You have developed some resilience. So the three of you only lose a d10. Ooh.
2: <laughs> oh, wow.
0: Only. So you can all roll a d10. Oh, that
2: really well for me.
3: You said we can use sanity to offset?
0: You can use luck.
3: Or use that luck to offset?
2: Mm, I lost 5.
0: Now, you can spend double the amount of luck
2: to halve it, rounding up, oh, if you I'll wish. Let's see, will that save me? So, like, I rolled a 5 so I could spend 10 luck to take 3? Yes. Okay, I'll do that.
1: If I am at my sanity floor...
2: Oh, you are, even with
0: 4? If I
1: go to exactly, my like, my floor is 55, if my sanity goes to 55 exactly, what happens? I,
0: I rule it that you need to go below. Okay, then I'm going to spend the luck. Okay, and Safina, do you want to spend 14 luck to reduce that to 4?
3: Of course, I'll get down to 69, and that's super lucky.
0: Okay. Now, I think quite rightly, in a way, I mean, it's almost narratively right, Gatorian and Max, your minds are not resilient to seeing this thing. You feel your mind starting to fracture and fragment as the true nature of these powers, beyond sight and knowledge are made fully clear to you. And you both need to roll a d100.
3: Yeah, I saw that one coming.
0: Yikes. So, oh, fuck me. I don't believe that. Katorian. Not bad. Zero. Well, zero. And Max? Uh, Minus. There's nothing you can do, Max. And I think this is right, actually, appropriate. You're going to be able to maintain control over max until the end of the session but then he's gone his mind is gone permanently armenian how much luck have you got
3: i've got 97
0: whoa so you've got 90 90- that's the only <laughs> okay i
3: said i've got moderate hit points i've got lots of luck i've got no sanity at all so
0: so here we go if you spend 76 luck you can halve that
3: Okay, which means that my get-out-of-death-free card is revoked. This this is get-out-of-death. Now, this is your moment. Yeah, so 76. I'm down to 19 sanity, which means I'm as cuckoo
0: as cuckoo can be. But You, of course, going to have another bout of madness right yep. now. So roll another... I mean, you've got this crazy plan.
3: I've got the crazy plan and what happens on top of... And I forget everything.
0: Yeah, and you are no longer brave Katorian. Or, or not brave Katorian, but steely, cold Katorian. But Max, tell me what happens to you as, as the last remnants of your sanity are, are dragged from your mind by this incomprehensible sight.
4: I think I just scream out in pain, but I imagine what would happen is... One thing that comes to mind is Max probably just loses himself to this alter ego that he's had for the last few years, stalking Nazis at night, and he just becomes some... I guess the last thing I did was (laughs) cut someone to ribbons, so... I think he goes insane and just becomes a murderous slasher, basically. Just hunting Nazis, but...
0: Mannequin mensch slasher. That is such a giallo, like an Italian horror movie, 70s horror movie. What did we say? He was the golem of... uh, The golem
4: of Berlin. He becomes the golem for real. Now just some monstrous killer. That's brilliant. Until he's caught, which probably won't take very long.
0: And the rest of you are suddenly back in the real world. You're all there lying on the cold, damp ground, the thin layer of snow covering the grass in front of the Kaiser Wilhelm term. And you realize that everyone else, all the other extras are all lying still in their unconscious states around you. And all around you lie these men and women unconscious or groaning, some slowly coming to and gazing around in a panic. The crew who were manning the cameras look on in stunned silence. And you hear the director, who all this time has been sort of behind the camera, he yells out, cut! And at that moment, you also hear this echo of a scream, Countess Esterhazy's scream echoing from the car where she was sitting. It sort of judders and shakes, and a plume of smoke just rises up out of the car. The other thing you see is Grunau lying where you shot him, Anne-Marie and he seems to come round for a second and he gets up onto his knees, he sort of drags himself up and he looks at, at you anne and then to the cameras and you can see that he's completely insane at this point and he screams out to you, you must burn all the film, all of it, destroy it all. And the last words come out as a screech as flames begin to lick his face bursting forth from beneath his robes and within seconds he too is consumed in a pillar of fire And then
2: all is quiet around you. All right, so we're back where we kind of fell down, right? So that means that Eckhart is lying by the car. And where was Safina? Wasn't she, like, running towards the parking lot? And, like, where is everybody? Am I, like, by myself, basically? Because I'm right near the scene. Well, I guess Max is there.
0: You were right near to Grunau as he burst into flames. All right. (laughs) And, yeah, Max is lying unconscious uh, near the cameras. I guess you're all
2: more or less in the same general area. Okay. I'm going to run towards a camera and start trying to get the film, and I'll run towards the one where Max is now kind of like, hey Max, Max, we have to destroy the film.
0: And of course, he doesn't wake up, and you kind of shouting at him, maybe you shake him, but he seems to be in in a catatonic state. But the strange thing is, he has this sort of smile on his face, almost like a beautific smile. But he seems to be alive? Uh, yeah, he's alive. Okay. He's just not coming
2: around. I think at this point, since he's alive, I would probably just leave him there for a second and get the film because I know the police are probably going to come. There was a lot of gunshots and all kinds of things happening, so I want to try to get that first. I'm going to kind of, uh, and if I see anybody else standing that I know, I'll yell to them and get the film.
1: Okay. Yeah, if I'm there and aware, I will help too.
0: Okay. There's still a lot of people lying unconscious around you. So, Amory, you go to the first reel in the kind of in the camera that's just been placed for close-up shot in front of the tower. And Eckhart, you go to the mobile camera that was used for the panning shots or for the tracking shots. And the operators are completely stunned. They don't really know what has been going on. Obviously, it's a crazy scene. All these extras just passed out. Safina, what do you want to do? And Katorian, as you see your friends rushing to the cameras, people still seem to be in a pretty bad state all around you.
3: I guess I will also help go for the cameras. I have no first aid or anything. Okay nor any bedside manner. I got my rape. Gatorian? I kneel by Max, actually. I wonder if he's made it.
0: Okay, so you head over to Max. Yeah. And Anne-Marie and Eckhart, without encountering any resistance, you grab the film out of the cameras and you now have these spools of celluloid in your in your hands. Are you going to try to destroy it? Was that the yeah, idea? I,
1: I unroll it onto the ground and then I take out my cigarette lighter. And I light it and drop it onto the pile, standing back a little bit.
0: It catches very quickly, and the whole thing
2: starts burning. Oh, nice. I'll toss mine on there, too, then. Because I was thinking it wasn't going to burn, so we tried all kinds of shit before. <laughs> Except setting fire to it.
0: No, we tried to burn it. No, no, you
2: didn't. You tried cutting it? Yeah, I don't think we tried cutting uh, it. Ah, right. We wanted to cut a piece off and burn it. We didn't want to ruin the whole thing. Yeah, that's why we yes, did. Yes, yes.
0: If you'd only just set fire to it, you could have avoided a lot of trouble. But nevertheless, so then you grab your one. You can make an idea roll, just as you're about to do it. Was that intelligence? Yeah, an intelligence roll. A regular success. Good thing you got a 90 intelligence. <laughs> one. You, know, you get the sense that somehow all these people minds are still in this film dream world as you're about to th- All right.
2: is that? do I get that after I threw it on the fire or before?
0: no no no, just before you're about to toss it on oh okay love it because when Eckhart burnt the first one you saw people starting to convulse
2: oh shit yeah. alright so I do not throw it on the fire I guess trusting the Baron probably wasn't the best so I, I look at Eckhart and I say the the minds of the people are here maybe we need to wake them first or play the film in reverse <laughs> it's developed yet Oh, yeah. So I'm going to walk over to a random person and try to wake them up.
0: So you shake them and they do actually come out of their dream and they look up at you with a look of complete incomprehension and, and almost fear
2: from maybe what they experienced. And I, I say, uh, you know, I know you want to make it and be a star, but, you know, being an extra in some kind of random film, this isn't the way to do it. You got to work hard, kid. And then I'll say to, to Eckhart, we should store this and destroy it later and then maybe start walking around waking people up. Let's just kind of wind forward a bit. So
0: you spend the next half an hour waking all these bedraggled extras up and they all slowly come to their senses and, and they just wander off into the gloom of the early morning. It seems like only minutes have passed since you left this place and came back. It seems like Esterhazy and Grunau are now dead forever. You have the comatose but still living body of your friend Max with you. And all this while, this smile is just stuck to his face as, he's, as if he's having the most wonderful dream. Hmm. And I suppose you head
2: back. Let's go to the Sophie. That's where we begin. We're, yeah. yeah. And I think I wouldn't want to destroy the film until we get Max awake, because I'll assume he's in the same situation as everybody else. Hmm. So I am concerned, of course.
0: So you head back to the Sophie as the sun rises. The mist has cleared. It's another frigid day but somehow it feels like a weight has been lifted even though you've experienced some truly awful things today you know that grunau is gone now forever and esterhazy too and you know this intuitively katorian you feel like the witch's curse has been lifted from you
3: well that's a good thing i might actually be able to sleep and not have be led on a crazy crusade again into the netherworld Everything that I didn't want to do has happened because of these two people.
0: Yeah. <sighs> and you never managed to get yourself off to come back. Maybe that was a good thing. But I think maybe this will play on your mind, because you are, of course, indefinitely insane now. Mm-hmm. And maybe you will finally want to delve into these mysteries properly. But we will end with Safina.
3: Is there a chaise lounge or some nice piece of furniture?
0: Yes, of course.
3: Okay, so I would like to lay him out sort of ceremoniously and light some candles. And then I will I will take his head into my lap and gently stroke his hair while I do my clairvoyance.
0: Wonderful. And what I'm going to say is that somehow some remnant of the powers that were unleashed earlier seem to be flowing through you because you managed to take all your friends into your vision with you for the first time. So... Katorian and Anne-Marie and Eckhart, you're all there inside this vision. And you know, Safina, it's not just you imagining this. They are actually there with you. So all four of you are there. You don't see Max yet, but you're all walking together on a beautiful sunny day into Luna Park. And there are families and children laughing and playing there. And you get to the roller coaster. And you see Max sitting in the front carriage of the roller coaster as it's about to head off on its journey round and round and he looks really happy Max you're sitting on the roller coaster this day hasn't just seems to be going on forever and it seems to be the happiest day that you can remember in a long time and you realize also that your skin is now soft and fleshy again
4: I'm sitting on the roller coaster hmm my hands in my the pockets of my grey coat, I'm just smiling. In my pocket, I'm just fidgeting with something, with a straight razor that I happen to have. On a roller coaster, really? Uh huh. I am just thinking this: the sun is beautiful. I'm enjoying the day, and as soon as it goes dark, I will pick out a Nazi and brutally murder him. And I could not think of anything better. In fact, I am watching everyone else, men who have brought their their kids and, and I'm trying to find all right which one which one shall I follow on
3: is this the reason you're on the roller coaster is not for the thrill but so you have the vantage point
4: yeah this is why I'm, I'm here at the fair
0: oh god that is just that's amazing I was giving a nice out there but no no
4: no, no he lost his mind no, no
0: he lost his mind yeah as the roller coaster pulls off you see your four friends standing there on the concourse and they they're all waving at you
4: yeah, I, I see them, and I and I think for a moment I step out of it, and I think to myself, I could just, well, I could just leave with them, and everything will be fine. They'll take care of me. We'll go on some adventure, but and the roller coaster starts to go to leave basically, and I so I slowly look ahead again.
0: And so, dear listeners, we come to the end of our Berlin saga. It would be cruel of me though to leave things suspended in midair like that, just as Max is suspended on the roller coaster at Luna Park, going round and round and round forever in his dream. And so we will catch up with each of our dear friends and see where they got to and what happened to them after that apocalyptic end of
5: their adventure.
0: Armand Katarayan managed to outlast his nemesis, the Baron Grunau, a nemesis that he did not have the wit to surmise until the very end He reprimands himself. But even to this gritty hardened pragmatist, the veil of Berlin's cosmopolitan urbanity has been irrevocably ripped away. He no longer saw a city, but a creeping, festering pustule of all the very worst of human impulses coalescing into something especially ominous. It was time to get away. The Sophie and the Bonobo could be sold. Dr. Sigmund Freud in Vienna was renowned for his sanitarium and unconventional but brilliant insights into the troubled human mind. Vienna was a much more cultured place than coarse Berlin. The city of Mozart, Strauss waltzes, literate cafes, Schrenner and schnitzel. He could find himself, if not a country villa, then at least a peaceful, spacious apartment on a wide Viennese avenue, one with servants' quarters for Egon, of course. He could open a new establishment, more urbane and sophisticated than the Bonnebo, though the thought of the ambience of piping didn't seem exactly sophisticated, but almost too irresistible for some reason. The Kuhl Club. He'd recover peace of mind in
5: civilized Vienna. Mm.
0: Mm. Anne-Marie raises her fur-trimmed collar to block the frigid sea air. A shiver runs down her body as she feels the ship glide out across the glossy smooth waters. I must leave. There is too much sadness in the cold streets of Berlin. Perhaps I can find a new life and forget the past in a new country with new friends. Three times before she has run from her past, from Berlin, but Berlin has always called her back. Not this time, she says, as she turns her back to the fading port lights as a soft spring rain begins to fall, pausing just a moment to light a cigarette with the last match from an old worn out book as the matchbook falls to the ground the rain distorts the ink like some kind of surrealist painting until one can barely make out the words cafe sophie mm. away into the blackness of the nearest alley with her trusty rake slung over her shoulder and a drawing pad tucked under an arm. It's nearly midnight when she finally shuffles into the familiar alley behind Café Sophie. It feels almost like a homecoming as she settles into the comforting heap of newspapers, only slightly stiffened by the frost. As she settles in for the night, she considers the day ahead. Another day, another grind. She pulls her now worn coat closer. Perhaps tomorrow she'll pay Catarayan a visit. She has a chip to cash in after all. More than one, probably, given the number of times she has had to drag him from the brink of madness. Maybe there'll be a new coat in store for her
5: and even some new balls.
0: <laughs> Eckhart grunted as he slammed the door of the Sophie and twisted the key in its lock for a final time before dropping the key through the mail slot. He stamped his boots and turned up collar against the chill before hefting his suitcase and stepping out of the building's eaves and into the chill of Berlin's spring. The buyers would be around in the morning and could call on Katorian's attorney to resolve any remaining business. With this final task accomplished, Eckhart was free to head to the Friedrichstrasse with time to catch his train. It was actually the advice of Armin Katorian that inspired him to take a holiday. The novelist had booked a chalet in the Swiss Alps and planned to spend the summer there with hopes that the mountain air would help rest and restore him. Yes, much rest and relaxation was in store for Eckhart. He also hoped to make a start at writing out the weird tale of his most recent adventure and perhaps a bit of reading. Eckhart smiled, the weight of Friedrich von Junst's und Kulten palpable in his suitcase and boarded his train. Max sat on the Luna Park roller coaster, smiling in the Berlin sunshine. It was Sunday, and the families were enjoying their day off at Luna Park. A family in the car in front of Max excitedly prepared for the ride, the father carefully fastening his young son and daughter into the front row seats before climbing into the back row and giving his wife a kiss on her cheek. Max watched them carefully. Without his uniform, the man seemed rather nondescript, just another innocent face in the crowd. Max absentmindedly rubbed his left forearm, tracing the jagged scar from Grunau's straight razor, and counting the newer, smaller scars that now intersected the big wound. Five, six, seven, Max calculated silently. For what I am about to do to you, it is only fair that I cut myself. Max had said to Grunau, he had uttered those same words many times since, and when night fell, he would say those same words again. As others clambered into his remaining cars, Max's eyes remained trained on the young man in the car in front of him, his right hand fidgeting with Grunel's straight razor in his pocket of his grey coat. Max! Max! He heard his voice carried by the summer breeze. Over the noises of the crowd, he knew that voice. Turning his head, Max saw Anne-Marie springing towards him. Eckhart was there also, calling out and waving both arms above his head. Catroyan followed right behind him. And straining his neck, Max could just make out Safina, weaving through the crowd with a rake in her hand. His friends were here, just as they had been on that cold winter's night at Luna Park when they had drunk together and reminisced. Max paused. Why, he could just get off this ride and join his friends. Anne-Marie had always looked after him. She still cared for him. Katroyan always had plenty of work and paid well. Maybe she could convince Eckhart to write a script together. They could sell it to a studio. Safina could paint the sets and the billboards. He would be safe with his friends and happy. Max's smile broadened into a wide grin. He should go now and join his friends. Max's seat lurched forward. The roller coaster jerked into motion, slow crawling towards the peak. It was too late. The roller coaster had already started on its predestined course, and so had Max. As his car moved forward, Max slowly turned his head away from his friends, his eyes settling once again on the man and his family in the car ahead. it's thank you time again. So first of all, thank you as usual to Sirenscape for providing the amazing sound beds, sound effects and music for the podcast. Also, of course, this podcast, it would exist, but it wouldn't have the same joy and energy it does have if it wasn't for the Patreon backers. I love you all. I thank you all. You make my day, my month, my year, and at whatever level you're backing, I'm just so, so grateful and Thank you for helping us keep going. If you want to show your support for the show, please go to patreon.com forward slash grizzlypeaks, where you can join at a variety of levels, which will give you early access, exclusive bonus episodes, and even the chance to play in one of our invitation-only Patreon backer games. And they've been awesome. Before I go, I have two more patrons to thank, two more Patreons to thank. Firstly, Dave Manley, thank you so much for backing us. We appreciate every single person deeply from the bottom of our hearts. And um, yeah, thank you so much for being a supporter of the show. And also a certain gentleman called Richard Morrow, who has defected. No, he hasn't defected, but he has come over as a result of our new friends over at the apocalypse players and i think this would be the perfect moment to announce the fact that we will be having a very special scenario with our friends at the apocalypse players coming very soon i think in about four weeks time but i may have my timing wrong so richard is a big fan of them and dan and the others at the apocalypse players invited me over to their discord to tart myself around and um uh, and, and bring over some of their delightful listeners to to listen to grizzly Peaks radios and richard i am ever so grateful for you taking the plunge and joining our patreon as well i promise you this thing we've got coming is it's a it's a corker it's a blinder um, i'm sure everyone will enjoy it very much and uh, i can't wait to uh, to hear people's reactions to it so watch out for the apocalypse grizzlies as we have dubbed it